trying to take off on me. up our just quick look over the life of David and sort of the lessons we can draw from that. Now, last time I was up here, we left off the story of David with him on the run from Saul after his after Saul's first attempt. going to hear about why I said that David might live to see himself become the villain instead of the hero. So, as a quick refresher, David by this point, you know, he's killed Goliath. The people praises him. Saul's killed a few people, but David's killed a lot more. And he's even gotten the king's daughter in marriage. But so, kind of in doing this, aroused the king's jealousy. And the king this point, appears to just want to make David into a shish kebab. Now, since I am trying to cover all of David's life from 1 Samuel 21 up to his death, it's very difficult to go over every little thing. So, I'm going to be skipping some parts out of necessity. If you've got any questions about those parts, I would be perfectly happy to answer them later. But what I want to concentrate on is mostly the differences between David and Saul and how those differences affected how their respective stories would have ended and what we can learn from them. At Nam, where the Ark of the Covenant was at, starting in verse 1. So again, David's on the run from Saul. David went Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest. The king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one needs to know anything about the mission. Consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. This is because um, of ritual cleanliness laws, and which would affect how the priests could, who they could give this bread to. They replied, "Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today?" So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. And this is going to be important later on. So David gets his bread and some supplies from Ahimelech and is going to run away to Achish, king of Gath. Gath was where Goliath was from. So 
very interesting that he's running from Saul to the Philistines. The Philistines aren't too happy about having him there, and David's a little bit concerned, so he's going to act crazy, and there's a send them away. I have enough nutcases here as it is. So David leaves Gath and escapes to the cave of Adullam. And then at this point he's going to start gathering people to him. Uh, it looks like around 400 men were with him at this time. Now Saul, just because David's running away doesn't mean that Saul wants him less dead. And so Saul is going to pursue David. And this is where Doeg comes back into place. 1 Samuel 22, verse 9. Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's official, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, at Noab. At, sorry, at Noab. Lord of the Philistines. So, son of Ahitub, and all the men of his family, who were the priests at Nob, and they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword, and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me, and lies in wait for me, as he does today? Other than the fact that Ahimelech gave David supplies, everything Saul just said is not true. Ahimelech hasn't conspired against him, and David hasn't rebelled against Saul. There's a difference between running for your life and rebelling. David is running for his life. Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let your king accuse your servant. Sorry, let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. Remember that David had... Yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. To their credit. The king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But one son, why did that, sorry, one second. 
One son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, That day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with him. So, uh, Saul will never, that we know of, offer even the slightest apology for this. This isn't a case of him, like, conspiring. Remember, David had lied to him about why he was there. There was no way Ahimelech could have known that David was on anything but the mission from Saul that he said he was on. And remember, you recall a couple weeks ago we talked about how God had not been too happy with Saul before. And if he was unhappy with him then, well, this has got to be about the final nail in the coffin. Because this is pre-Jesus, and... the high priest whom Saul has just killed. So Saul has really cut himself off from God now. And guess where the representative of God is now? Well, he's with David's little outlaw band. Now, David doesn't have the forces to fight Saul, and it doesn't seem likely that he would have fought Saul even if he did have them, so he's going to keep running. And Saul's going to keep chasing him. Now, while he's on the run, he's going to have two encounters with Saul that will really show the difference between the two men. In 1 Samuel 24, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. I just want to note, like, this man, Saul, has been chasing David across all Israel for probably a year or two at this point. I could imagine David's probably pretty tired of having to run from him. But what does he do when he finds him? You know, he can just uh, creep up and slice off a bit of his robe. He feels remorseful for having messed up Saul's son. 
probably would not have been my reaction. And so David's going to let Saul leave the cave, and then he's going to call out to Saul, My lord the king, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered me to kill you, but I spare you. Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to show I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, and his men went up to the stronghold. And it's at this time we see Samuel dies, and then we have the, just the very brief the story of David and Abigail, which I'm just going to touch on pretty briefly. Um, David and his men had safeguarded the shepherds of a man named Nabal, which, you know, at the time, if you protected someone's shepherds and the sheep way up in the mountains, from bandits and stuff, and you didn't do anything bad to them, well, you, you would consider yourself pretty justified to come and say, I did this for you. Uh, give me some supplies or something in return. See, that's pretty fair. Um, that's the same. Oh, who is this? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? The word of this gets back to David, and he's not particularly happy about it. So he musters all of his men and is will go down to kill everyone and everything belonging to Nabal. But his wife Abigail is going to come out with the supplies that Nabal should have given to David in the first place. And you know, David sees this and realizes, 
Oh, I was about to do something, let's just say, not good. And so, what he's going to say here, it's uh, 1 Samuel 25, 33. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, surely as the Lord lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. So I want to contrast this with how Saul treated the priests at Nob. The priests had done nothing wrong at all. And when Saul was you know, told about this, what does he do but ignore them? and have Doeg take them out. Here David is coming to, again, in the context of the time, this would have been quite justified to do what he was planning to do, to kill Nabal and all of his people. They weren't like us. <laughs> but David is not going to take revenge, where Saul did. Then we have yet another account of David meeting up with Saul. So Saul's told, oh, David is hiding here. And Saul's going to go pursue him. And David decides, all right, maybe a sec, but to, you know, we're going to go pay Saul another visit. So. David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep in the camp, with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord will himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. And then we get, a few verses later, something of a rehash of Saul and David's previous conversation from uh, 1 Samuel 26, 17 and on. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? David replied, Yes, it is, my lord the king. Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done, and what wrong am I guilty of? Now let my lord the king listen to his servant's words. If the lord has inclined you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the lord. They have driven me today from my share in the lord's inheritance, and have said, Go serve other gods. Now, do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea, 
as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. David's not convinced. Verse 22, here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David, my son. You will surely do great things and triumph. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. Then in chapter 27, 1, David thought to himself, One of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So yeah, we kind of got the same thing happening twice over. And David, you can imagine why. It's not like Saul's been trying to kill him for years on end now. He's going to keep himself busy there by raiding some of the other old enemies of Israel while telling Achish time that he's actually attacking clever boy. And this is going to lead us up to the end of Saul in 1 Samuel 28. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Philistines assembled. Saul saw the Philistine army. Prayed. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer. Saul said to his attendants, Find me a woman who has a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one I name. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? So, First Samuel twenty-eight fifteen, Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. 
he no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So, surprising either. God has had it over and over with Saul. Now the kingdom promised to David is going to go for go to is going to David. Something I don't want you to miss here is that for every time Saul does express remorse any response to being confronted by his own sin it never seems to be accompanied by actual prayer or repentance he begs Samuel to pray for him or asks David to forgive him or on more than one occasion just has nothing to say at all keep that in mind for later now Samuel's words do in fact come true. The Israelite army, Saul and his sons, get destroyed. Saul dies, his sons die. The Israelites flee. But, now that Saul and his sons are mostly, mostly out of the way, David can finally start doing the king thing. Now he does have a few difficulties Bosheth, Saul's last son, at first taking control of some of Israel. But after about seven years of working at it, David is eventually going to take control of the entire country. And at first, everything seems to go great. Ishbosheth surrenders to him. Israel's armies are winning every battle. This is the peak for David. But that's not going to last. Turn to Second Samuel chapter. Seven one and on. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof. He saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man of your David. She came to him, and he slept with her. 
Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. Well, it seems my laptop has just decided to die, so... how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David arrived. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from the military campaign? Why didn't you go home? David, the architect. And tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. and sent it with Uriah. In it he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. She's currently active at this time in Israel. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler
times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. And the son goes on to die. But that is not the end of David's troubles. Chapter 13. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. This is his sister. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. And so Amnon is going to conspire to figure out a way to get his way with Tamar. bring him some bread, says, this is 13, verse 9, send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bed. says, Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, Get up and get out. And this does not go
please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine to you, and I say to you, strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. Exile for a while, and will eventually return to Jerusalem, but David's troubles are still not undercutting David. Judge in the land. He would come to me and I would see that they received justice. So, at the end of about four years of this, Absalom is going to go down to Hebron and start a rebellion. So, David has to flee, but ultimately the rebellion. And considered appropriate. And so in three days of plague, some tens of thousands of Israelites are going to die. one of his sons raping one of his own daughters, and then another son killing one son out of revenge. And the second half said about the difference between And the little subtext here says, For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfaithful. 
compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, and even in the womb, you taught I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips. prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. And when David is caught, this is what he has to say. And so if, you're, if you've ever wondered, well, how could... to sin as any of us are. This to say. And so, because all of us are equally vulnerable to sin, maybe not to the extreme degree that David did here, Psalm 51 is one of the great scriptures for repentance, for coming to God and saying, I blew it. And so, wrap things up. If you feel like Saul felt that God has turned away from you, that
sinful? Have I fallen away? And do I need to pray Psalm 51? Because although things went poorly for David later in his life, and you definitely, the consequences of sin are real, Dear Lord, we come before you to thank you for your great mercy and your love for us. We ask you to create pure hearts within us, to renew our spirits towards you. One of these people here 